I started by getting out of my chair and spilling my water. <laughs> yeah, so there's a new one there. Thank you so much. That was, that was, that's a great start. But I am glad to be here. I, I was here just uh, four weeks ago. Uh, we celebrated with Kirk with his 50th birthday. And then I, I mentioned to him that, hey, we're coming back up because it's our daughter's Emily's birthday this weekend. And he, he's like, oh, I'm going to be away. Would you mind stepping in and preaching? I'm like, oh, that would be my absolute pleasure. So we're, we're in the journey of uh, church planting and we don't actually have like a church service like this. So in the last year, I've actually been to your church more than any other. So you know when you have a friend come over and they, they go past the guest stage? They're like, hey, you know, it's just so-and-so. He's not a guest anymore. He just kind of lets himself in and he can put his feet up on the lounge or whatever. I kind of feel like I'm at that place. I, I hope that's okay. But I just feel like this is, feels like home and it's lovely and I, I'm just so glad to be here. Um, I mentioned that we're here to celebrate Emily's birthday and so I thought it'd be nice to show you that I bought her a gift from, from New South Wales. I think we got a photo on the screen of the gift that I bought for Emily. That's thoughtful, isn't it? So I thought like, you know, because winter's coming, so she'll need something warmer to wear and when she wears it, she'll feel like a winner. So... <laughs> So we'll take that down. We'll ask Scott to come back up and pray for me. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to come back, shall we? I'm going to preach a message. <laughs> going to mess- preach a message on grace and forgiveness that you can now extend to me. So thank good that that's gone. But that's thoughtful. I uh, when I when I um. When I begin to prepare for a message to, to preach, it normally starts with a coffee or a cup of tea on the couch and a piece of paper and a pencil, and, and God takes me into a journey of, of thoughts and prayers, and some thoughts are his and a lot of thoughts are mine, and it's a, a journey of deciphering which is which, and a lot of stuff gets written down, a lot of stuff gets thrown out, but it, in the midst of it, there's this journey that that he takes me on where he shows me more of himself from the scripture and, and more of himself in my life. And then my privilege is to, to get up and share this journey that he's taken me on. And so this morning, that's what I want to do. And I want to invite you. And I felt prompted by the Lord this morning to invite you into this journey. And I know, as Scott said, there's lots going on in the world, lots that is un, unsettling, uncertain. And I felt like this morning to give you a real very clear invitation to say God wants to take you on a journey into the scriptures, into who he is and into your life and he's going to bring you a gift. So in the midst of this talk over the next 20, 30 minutes, uh, maybe you'll drift off somewhere. I want you to kind of catch yourself and come back because I think God's got something for you this morning. So let's enter that journey together if, if you would with me. This journey starts with a story that happened, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 years ago now. When I was living in Sydney, we were planting a church in Cronulla, and Cronulla's like a beach community with lots of high-rise apartments, and, and my prayer was like, God, how do I plant a church in Cronulla and gather a team into a small unit? And in the midst of that prayer, God gave me a promise. He says, David, I'm going to open a door for you. I'm going to provide you a home where you'll settle. And so we were looking at different apartments. Nothing was available. Then this one became available, and it was right near the ocean. It was right on the beach, and... And it's like, wow. And then, and then we applied and we didn't get it. I'm like, really, God? I'm like, what's going on? I thought you spoke to me about that one. And then, 
And then a week later, the, the real estate agent calls us back and he goes, you know, a funny thing, that couple that took it, they've broken up now and it's yours if you want it. I'm like, wow. So I got this apartment, we're settled in and you could hear the waves at night and, and like, the rent was so like affordable. It was like all such a gift, all such a gift. I could walk out of the door. I, I used to see whales from our steps. Like it was such an incredible gift. You walk down the steps and you're right on this little beach. It's got this reef where I used to catch fish. And one day I had a pastor friend come over, just to, I'd been there a couple of months and, uh, and he came over and he was staying and I took him down the beach, we're having a swim and I said, I can't believe what God's done. I can't believe how much God's blessed me in this place and, and I'm like, I don't know what to do in response. It was my honest question to him and for, thankfully he was more mature than I, but I said, I don't, I don't, how do I thank God for this? And he said, David, you just enjoy it. I'm like, Wow, you're right. I, I hadn't seen that before. I, I, I didn't know I could do that. There's a, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which was written in, in 1640s. It starts with this question. It says, what's the chief end of all of humanity? What's our purpose for living? And the, the answer to that question, they say, the, the chief end for all of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You know, I'd, I'd kind of signed, it up. I'd signed up to church plan. I, I'd given my life to say, yeah, God, I want to glorify you, but I didn't know I could enjoy him along the way. That was outside of my mindset. That was outside of my par- par- what we call a paradigm. A paradigm is like a way of thinking. It's a viewpoint from which you see life, you see yourself. It's even from how you see God. And if you live life from this paradigm or from this paradigm or from this way of thinking, from this viewpoint of life, and what's outside of that paradigm will be transparent to you. It means you won't see it. Now it's real, it exists, but you don't see it because it's outside of your paradigm. Just like for me, I'm like, how do I thank God for this gift? I can enjoy it? Wow, my paradigm of God was just expanded in that moment. I don't know if there's any Seinfeld fans here. Seinfeld for, for preachers is the gift that keeps on giving because there's so many illustrations you draw from it. But I love that one where, you know, Jerry and George, they're just about to get the contract to get the show about nothing, you know. They're about to win this contract and George finds a spot on his lip and he's like, it's cancer, it's cancer. And, you know, just jumps to that conclusion and, and, then, and then he says, I, I know God wouldn't let, let me succeed in life. And Jerry says, George, you don't even believe in God. And his response is, yeah, but I do for the bad stuff. That was George's paradigm, right? Like when bad stuff comes along, that's God's way of like, you know, bringing me harm and it's his fault. And, you know, and when, when difficult times come, like the current culture and crisis that we're in, some of us run away from God and just blame him for what's happening. Some of us in the times of trouble run towards God and, and, and kind of, fall at his feet, but then in good times we forget that he exists. A lot of it depends on the paradigm from what we live. You know, Jesus said this to his disciples in, in John 16, 12. He said, you know, I have more to share with you right now, but you can't bear it. It's not within your paradigm to be able to catch what it is. I'm like, God, I know I'm in that place all the time. 
I know I'm in that place where there's more of you that exists and is real and I want to grab hold of, but it's outside of my paradigm. So God, strengthen me by your Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus promises because he says when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to teach you these things. But right now you can't bear it. So I'm in that place all the time of like, God, show me what I'm not seeing of you. Show me what I'm not seeing of myself and of life. The Father's so good and generous that he's continually revealing himself to us, making himself more clear and more known, expanding our paradigm and our faith of who he is. When I mentioned to Kirk that, oh, well, when Kirk asked me to preach, I, I asked him, well, what, where are you at? What do you want to what do you want me to talk on? He mentioned that you're doing a series or a, a, a series of talks about catching the wave of the Holy Spirit and about, about seeing what the Father's doing. That's a great series. It's a great challenge because seeing what the Father's doing you, is, is a difficult thing to do because, God, is that you? Is that me? But part of it is like, is it within the paradigm of who I know you to be, God? And as God broadens our paradigm, then it's like, wow, I see more of what you're doing. Today, I want to speak into that. I want to speak into the, the foundation from which you live and from which you build your life and from which that paradigm of God and yourself and our worldview will come from. So we're going to read from Ephesians 3.14. I'm sorry, I haven't preached for a while. And when you're a preacher who hasn't preached for a while, you end up kind of preaching the whole counsel of God in the morning. So um, if you feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant, I don't apologise. <laughs> All right. Uh, if Paul writes in Ephesians 3.14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his, his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning. And we thank you that in the midst of gathering, you are with us, you bless us with your presence. And so I pray, Lord, that you would, on this journey of preaching and opening your word, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, that you'd bring us a word that's in season, that you'd speak to our hearts. And that this morning we, we would go away different with a greater encounter of knowing you and, and what it is to be loved by you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians while he's in prison in Rome. And as he writes to them, he tells them about the gospel and then he tells them, and this is how I'm praying for you. Now, if I was in prison in Rome in the first century... I think I'd be praying a really different sort of prayer. I'd be praying something like, hey, bake a cake with a key in it and get me out of here or dig a tunnel or something like that or bring me coffee and a muffin or at least something, you know. But Paul doesn't pray that. In fact, Paul doesn't pray what I would expect Paul to pray. Paul is the original mission man. 
He gave his life to the, to the service and the mission of the gospel. He had an encounter with the, the risen Christ on a journey out in the desert one day and it changed his life forever. And he met in person like the love of God right there and he could never be the same. And from that point on, he, he went around all the countryside preaching the gospel of Jesus, healing the sick, raising the dead and seeing the kingdom of God come. He gave his life to it. He was, a, he was passionate for it. So I would think that if I, was in, if, if I was Paul and he's in prison in Rome and he's got this heart for mission, that he would pray for his believers that they would take on that heart for mission. I would think Paul's prayer would say, I pray that your evangelistic gifting would increase a hundredfold. I pray that when you heal, pray for the sick, all of them are healed. I'm, I'm expecting a prayer like that from Paul. Some prayer that takes on the mission from which he's now in chains and can't go out and keep on doing. But Paul surprises us. He says, you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for your foundation. I'm praying for the foundation from which you build your life. And I pray that that foundation would be so deeply established in the love of God that you'd know how wide that God's love is, that you know how deep God's love is, that you know, you'd know the breadth and the width of it, that you'd, you'd know this, this love that is beyond knowing. That's my prayer for you. I'm like, wow. Paul, when, when we read this, we see that Paul wants us to know this deepness of God's love that encompasses the whole world. And that there's, there's, there's no end to it. But beyond that, there's this, this language with which Paul is writing that you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper to see. And it's the language of wisdom that we find in the Old Testament and, and the New Testament where we see that there's these two truths that are in dynamic tension to each other. So Paul's praying goes, I pray that, that you'd be rooted, you'd be deeply established in the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. So on one hand, he's saying, I pray that you know God's love. On the other hand, he's saying, God's love's beyond knowing. Well, which one is it, Paul? Do we, do we get to know God's love or is God's love too great that we don't get to know it? Well, the answer is yes and both end. That's the wisdom of the scriptures. It's like what Job wrote in Job 11, verse 7. He says, can, can you fathom the mysteries of God? No, you can't. Can, can, you, can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. You can't know the mysteries of the wisdom of God, Job writes, but we're called to come and know the mysteries and the wisdom of God. So, so there's this mystery of who God is that it's beyond knowing, but he calls us to know it. And the way forward is to hold both of those tensions in truth, to hold them together. So God is so awesome, creator of the heaven and earth and all the universe, that he's beyond our knowing and our comprehension. But God is so personal and profoundly intimate that he calls us by name. Now, it's easy to kind of land in one of those two camps. And the church does that throughout history. Like you might be in the, in the camp of like God is so awesome and the creator of everything and he's beyond our knowing and we worship from that place. Tracy and I, a couple of years ago, we went to a church we visited on the Sunday morning of Easter Sunday and it was like a, it wasn't high Anglican but it was an, like an Anglican church in this, in this like old sandstone building with 
like majestic features in it and, and pews with wooden pews like I hadn't seen for 50 years. But, but, and the, they had an organ down the front and a, and a guy playing guitar. And, and during, during the, well, the worship, like no one really moved, right? And then, at, but the preacher got up and preached this word and it was about the power of the resurrection of Christ. And at the end of it, Tracy and I just sat there. And it was like, don't breathe. Because we've been in the, 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 the awesome presence of God. And if I breathe and say the wrong thing, I might get consumed here. I just have to be still for a moment. Because it was such a gift to see God revered in such a beautiful, majestic, the, the worship was nothing like we do, but it was so reverent to this, this righteous reverence of God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And it was a wonderful thing to be in that place. The danger of, of being in that place without the other tension of the truth is that you might miss that God is not only awesome and creator of heaven and earth, but he's He's intimate and loving and knows you personally. And as wonderful as he is on that Sunday morning, he's as powerful as he is on Monday morning when you don't want to get up for work. And he's as close to you then. So it's working out, well, which tension do I live in? Like, if I live in this awesome, righteous reverence of God, or do I come to the vineyard? (laughs) I remember when I first went to the vineyard. I was in California, never been to a vineyard church before in my life. I go to this vineyard church and there's like, there's like lots of people there and then and there's like coffee and muffins and, and tables, round tables, people just sitting down chatting and there's this band and lights and I'd, I'd come from a conservative background. I'd come from this place where you don't really move too much in church, right? And I'm, th- I'm thrown into this thing. I'm like, no one's telling me when to stand up. No one's telling me when to clap or sit down. I'm like... What's happening here? And then worship started and bang, the presence of God fell. And it was like, wow, Jesus, you are not only the creator of heaven and earth, but you're my friend. Wow, and I discovered like an intimacy, a profound intimacy with God that, that's confronting. It's like, God, you're not just existing in worship and service on Sundays, this awesome, righteous, reverence creator person that we have to revere but you you exist on Saturday afternoon when I'm playing golf and you in, you enjoy that with me and even if I swear you're not like just ready to jump on me because I did a bad shot you know you, you want to enjoy who I am Scott's played golf with me before so there's so what Paul is calling us to is there's this, there's this love of, of this awesome creator God. He exists in the heavens and he's far above all rule and reign and, and he's beyond our comprehension. Knowing him is, is surpasses knowledge. And he exists in love and he's made that love known in the person of Jesus Christ and you can know it in an intimate way. So what's the way forward? How, do, do, which camp do you land in? Neither. You hold both, t- tensions in, uh, both t- truth and tension. Is, is, is God like intimate and personal and powerful? Absolutely. But is he rightly to be revered? Absolutely. Yes. And. You know, in the vineyard, to be honest, I think we could do with a little more of that over here. 
You know, there's churches like Chuck Swindoll's church in the, in the States. When the scriptures are read, they all stand for the reading of the scriptures. Why? Because it's God's word is being spoken. And he's to be revered. Yet he's so personal and intimate. You know, whereas in, you know, we're reading the scriptures in the vineyard and we're like, I'm just grabbing a coffee, finishing Facebook and like, is there a good story or joke at the start of the message, you know? You, you need both and. Because if you, if you land in either camp, you're going to miss something. The scriptures say that God is a consuming fire and he reigns in all the earth. It says that he's, the Lord your God is a warrior. The Lord is his name, Yahweh. He's a warrior. You don't, you don't mess with a warrior. You don't mess with a consuming fire. You know, I have two sons and, and we, we get along great. We love each other and we'll muck around. We'll, we'll, we'll do sport together. We surf and different things. And then my, youngst, my youngest one, he's a bit more like this, Chad. He, he'll, he'll like cross the line. We'll be mucking around. And then he'll say something that goes beyond fatherly love and son relationship to, and I just pull him up. I'm like, hey, son, remember, I'm not your mate in the playground. I love you. But there's a reverence here that you're going to have as well. It's both end. And that's what God calls us to. In fact, Paul says this, I want you to grasp this love. When he says grasp it, it literally means to lay hold of it as if it's your own, like it is your own. So it's not just a knowledge about God and a knowledge about God's love, but it is the knowledge of God. Man, I've encountered this myself. And that's what Paul prays for us. He prays that we would know this. And even the knowing, it's not just a head knowledge. The knowing that the, the word that he uses here in the, in the Greek, it's gnosko, you've probably heard that before. It's a word about knowing that says, this knowing has no end. It's an ongoing, ever-increasing knowing. So Paul prays for the, for the Ephesians, and I believe the Holy Spirit prays for us this day, that we would know God in an ever-increasing, never-ending, personal way that surpasses knowledge. And it's so beautiful because Paul models it here. In verse 14, he says, as I find my place again. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. Right there. There is Paul. Awesome, reverent God. That's who I'm kneeling before. Father in heaven who everyone derives their name personal loving God yeah I'm kneeling before this awesome God who I call father because he's personal and loving both things that's our way forward that's our foundation that word there that you'd be established it literally means digging down a solid foundation from which you can build so that's what Paul calls us to what does it look like I want to tell you this that this love of this profoundly intimate God yet he's awesome and 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 creator and everything he calls us to know him in a way that permeates all of our life, every aspect of our life. There's no aspect of our life that God's not interested in. If, if you're a young single man and, and you're like, God, what's my future? Do you have a wife there for me? Will I have a family and a career? God's love reaches to that place. If you're a father and he's approaching 50 and he's got two teenage sons, you're like, oh God, oh God, oh God, how do I do this? God's love reaches to that place. If you find yourself in midlife and your, your career was going in one direction, suddenly you're unemployed, you're like, I don't know what's around the corner, God's love reaches to that place. This, this all-encompassing love of God knows no bounds and reaches to you in a personal, powerful and profound way. 
Last time I, I preached here, I, I shared how, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd been in pastoring and I got divorced. And in the midst of that journey, I'd been separated for a couple of years and I had to find a new place to live in this town where I live now called Helensburg. And places there are hard to come by. And, and Cruz and Chad, my sons, they were growing up, they needed a, a backyard and I needed them to have a backyard so they could have some space, I could have some space, single dad, you know, and... And so I'm praying, I find this place, this, this little, it's an old miner's cottage because we live in a mining town. It's got two bedrooms, a living area, big backyard, you know. It was just, it was just right. You know when you find something that's just right? And so I, I'm, I, I'm out the front, I park, I walk up and down the street, I'm praying over this place. God, this is the one for me, you know. Surely you're going to provide because you're a good father who loves me. And then I get the call from the real estate agent and says, same story like Cronulla, right? Sorry, David, you missed out on that one. I'm like, you're kidding me. God, I've done all the right things. You know, I've been praying, I've been interceding, I've been fasting all through this journey of being single in my 40s and separation. And look, God, I've tried to do it right. And in my journey, that was the only time I got angry at God. And I told him, instead of God, I'm angry. Because I reckon I deserved that one. And I don't know what you're thinking or what you're doing, but I don't like it right now. About three weeks pass, nothing else is available. Scratching my hair and going, what's going on? And I get a call from the real estate agent. But what's important about this phone call is that it happened on the day that the papers for my divorce went to court. And at 11am, the judge signed them off and I was now a single man. At one o'clock, the real estate agent calls me and says, you know, David, a funny thing, that place on the ridge, the couple that were going to take that, that they don't want to take it now, it's yours if you want to come down and sign for it today. On the, on the day that was the worst day of my life to that point, where I'm like, God, I don't know what my future holds, I'm about to be divorced at 11am, a father who was both awesome and loving saw me and said, I've got a gift for you, even though you've been a cranky brat for the last three weeks. Is that not a good God? Is that not a God that you'd, you'd, you'd kneel before him and say, I want to know more of your love? You know, I, I, even, even in all of our circumstances, even in our fears right now with coronavirus, it's okay, natural to be somewhat afraid of that, but God's bigger than that. Like, I, I, we bought toilet paper yesterday. You know what? And I felt guilty. I'm walking out, I'm like, and I'm looking around going, I'm not one of those ones on the TV. It's just that we need toilet paper. I don't have hundreds. It's just eight rolls, you know. And then I put it in the car. Put it in the car. I'm like, I'll put a jacket over that so no one smashes the window. And You know, it's like, come to church. We've got hand sanitizer and toilet paper. Does God want to meet us in the midst of fear and concern? Absolutely. Is God bigger than coronavirus? Absolutely. What about the mistakes that you've made? If you, you might have made one or two. Is God bigger than your failures? Does his love reach to your failures? Does he meet you in those darkest places where you're like, I'm in this bad place and it's my own doing? Absolutely he does. His love permeates to all places of our life, even our success, right? There's, there's, there's what I learned. Glorify God and enjoy him. In your places of success, welcome God into that. Wow, God, I'm going to enjoy this with you today. I couldn't wait to preach this morning. 
I don't know when I'm going to preach again, if ever. But I'm like, God, I'm going to enjoy this with you today. You know, God showed me something years ago about what it is for him to enjoy us. I was, a, I was a goalkeeper in soccer. It's what I did for a lot of years and to a pretty high level and, and I just loved it, lived and breathed it. And sometimes I felt guilty about it because it took me away from church and stuff. And then one time in a ministry time when God, the, the pastor was saying, you know, God's going to show you something about how he loves you and enjoys you. The Lord showed me a picture of me like in my goalkeeping outfit and in the goals and him in the net behind me cheering me on. He goes, I love that about you, David. I can enjoy God in my giftings and my success. This morning, I get up to preach. I'm like, God, I just want to enjoy this with you. I know, I know that you're right there just like you were in the goals. Yeah? What a good God. But he's created of heaven and earth. But he's profoundly intimate. I'm going to walk forward in both, both of those tensions, right? Because it permeates into all aspects of our life. Secondly, you know, this love that he calls us into and prays for us. It reaches into our inner being, Paul says. I pray, Paul says, I pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you in your inner being. You know, we, we are a circumference people as a society. We live on the peripheral things of life. By that I mean we, we care a lot about how we look and our appearances and what we have and most about the things that re- don't really matter. And then a thing like coronavirus comes along and we see people like fighting over toilet paper. Why? Because we don't have much in the soul. Now God cares about our circumstances and he moves and he, and he, and he meets us in those places. But as you journey with him in this, these two tensions, you're going to discover that God doesn't just meet us in our, in our circumstances and change our circumstances. God meets us and transforms us in the midst of the circumstances. Because it's our inner being that he wants to strengthen. And the only way he can strengthen that is through his Holy Spirit because it's deep soul work and it can, encompasses all of who we are. Our, from our thinking to our, to our worship to our, our feeling, love and thoughts and mind, all of it is found in our inner being and that's where the Holy Spirit wants to do his work. Why? Because that's the place of life. That's where life comes from. See, life doesn't come from the things on the edges Life doesn't come from the clothes that we wear or the car that we drive. Life comes from who we are and our inner being. And Paul says the Holy Spirit's doing his work in that place, that you'd know who you are in Christ, that you'd know who you are in the midst of family and life and career, and that you'd be strengthened, that you'd dig down deep. That's what it means when it says you'd be rooted. It actually means like you'd get a plant and you'd dig a deep hole and you put that plant in that deep hole because that's where it's going to be healthy. And Paul says God's going to work in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit in that deep place because that's where you're going to be healthy. The Proverbs say, um, guard, guard your heart because that's the wellspring of life. That deep place. It also says in, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart or as a man or woman thinks in his heart, that's how you are. Wow. So the Holy Spirit wants to come and grow this love of God deep into our inner being. Why in that place? Because a lot of things exist in that place. That's where we carry pain in that place. That's where we carry disappointment in that place. That's where we carry broken paradigms and ways of seeing ourselves, ways of seeing God, ways of seeing the world. There's a lot of hurt in that place. And Paul says that, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to come to that, that deepest place of who you are. 
where he sees you. Like on a day when you thought, I don't know what's going to go forward. God sees you in that place and does a work in your inner being. You know, and sometimes that work is he's, he's got to drive out some of those broken paradigms, yeah? He's got to, he's got to come up and say, David, which, which are you going to believe? This, this, this viewpoint about yourself or how I see you? Sometimes he comes up and says, okay, so you got that hurt? I know that hurt, but unless you forgive that person, we can't go forward. Is he both awesome creator in that place? Is he both loving and intimate father? Absolutely. Because sometimes the truth hurts. But he'd be unloving if he didn't, right? It's a beautiful prayer that Paul prays and he says, the Holy Spirit's going to strengthen you in that place until you come to the full measure of God. Wow, what, what a gift. There's a, there's a measure of God that will never actually, there's that, there's that wisdom language of both ends again. Will we reach the full measure of God? Not, not this side of eternity. Does Paul pray that we will? Absolutely. Do we step into that space? Absolutely. Because as, you know, as, as God comes into that inner being place and he drives out what's broken and what's dirty and what's ugly and he fills it with his Holy Spirit and he comes and brings you life, there's, there's this increasing measure of God. Well, God, I love you more today than I did yesterday. Because why? Because you're showing me more of yourself and you're showing me more of who I am and you're growing me. It's not this testimony that I met God 35 years ago. It's this testimony that I met God today at the Pine Rivers Vineyard because his Holy Spirit's doing a deep work in your life even as I speak. What a good God. So how do we get there? How, how do we grow in this? Well, I believe, firstly, you've got to plunge yourself into prayer. And by plunge yourself, I don't mean that you've got to write out a big list of God. Here's all the things I want. Here's all the things I've done wrong. I just say, put yourself in that place. I see the love of God that it it flows like a river. It says, you know, he's the origin of life and love. That's who God is. We can't generate it to happen. We can't kind of do anything to make God love us more. All we can do is put ourselves into his river of love and just kind of bathe there. So prayer looks a lot more like that with me these days. I'm just like, God, I'm just going to let my words be few, like your psalmist says, and I'm going to let your Holy Spirit come and bring your love into my heart. And if you prompt me to speak, I'll speak. But I'm just going to plunge myself into that place of prayer. I loved that worship song we said. All I did was praise. All I did was worship. All I did was kneel down. All I did was be still. That's prayer. Right in that place. Because it's, it's got to get to my inner being. Yeah, it's got to get to my soul. Secondly, the way we go forward in this is that we plunge ourselves into prayer and we, 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 we pull ourselves close in worship. Paul says, I want you to know this love that's from God together with all the saints. And, I'm, and by that he means that everyone gets to experience his love, but I also think he means there's something powerful when we come together as his church. There's something wonderful that when, when you're in community and, and you're in church like on a Sunday or during the week, you're gathering, there's something really powerful that happens. That it just kind of strengthens that inner being. It just grows us in, the, in that place. And, and then along the way, the Holy Spirit says, I've actually got something really special for you today. There's a word of knowledge that's for you or there's a, there's a gift from the Holy Spirit that's from you. And it's, it's good to be in it. So I, I encourage you to, especially during this season, right, to, to, to pull yourself close in worship and community because the love of God abides and manifests in this place in a really wonderful way. And lastly... 
We, we want to go forward in this. We want, to, we want to grow. We want to know this love that's unknowable. We've we, we got to build a paradigm of abundance. We've we got to say, God, give me a new paradigm. Give me a new way of seeing yourself and of seeing me. Here's what Paul prays. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Wow, I can imagine a lot. And that, 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 that invitation is not just say, well, you know, here's my grocery list, God. Here's my, here's my wish list. It's, it's actually more about putting yourself in the place of saying, this is how I'm going to relate to God, that God's the God of abundance, that he's not a stingy father who's just going to give me a little bit of love, but he's got more love for me than I can bear. So Holy Spirit, help me to bear it. Help me to be in that place. Help me to have a paradigm of seeing what the Father is doing from this place of generosity and abundance. Because when I'm, when I'm in that place of love, then I'm not judging, right? So much easier to see what the Father's doing when I'm looking to love than when I'm looking to judge. You've got to feast on that. I'll show you what I've been feasting on this last couple of weeks. Psalm 36 keep reading this to Tracy. I'm like, listen how good this is. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both um, humanity and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. Feast on the abundance of God's house. God, when I, when, I, when I go forward, when we go forward, Lord, holding this tension that you are this, this loving, intimate Father who knows us and this awesome, creator God, let us, let us go forward feasting on the abundance of your house. That's Paul's prayer. We know God's love in increasing measure. Here's the question. Where are you at today? Do you, do you know this God who's this great, awesome creator of the heaven, heavens and earth and is to be revered, but, but you may not know him personally in a, in a way that reaches to your heart? Or, or maybe you have been familiar with him for so long that you forgot that he's this awesome creator that you, you need to bow the knee to him. I don't know where you're at this morning, but God's calling you forward. God's calling you forward. Maybe you need to... Close your eyes and see God enjoying you. Seeing, you, seeing him enjoying what you're good at. See you enjoying life. Not sure, but why don't we close by praying this prayer together. If you want to stand. I think I finished on time, Scott. Doesn't matter. This is what the Holy Spirit is praying for us because these are words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Just ask you to just close your eyes and, and if this is your prayer this morning, just invite you just to open your hands and say, God, that's me. God, this is what I want more of. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives his name. I pray that out of the glorious, his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ.
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within each of us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God, that's what we, that's what we are seeking more of. That's what we are surrendered to. God, that's, our, that's where we worship from, from the abundance of your love, Father. We welcome you to come this morning.